Well, perhaps there is not a more tender, more endearing picture of our relationship with the Lord than that of a sheep under the care of a loving shepherd. This imagery is seen throughout both the Old and New Testaments, and it pictures in wonderful fashion our union with Christ. The psalmist wrote, We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Isaiah said, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. We're told that Jesus, in ministering to the crowds, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Peter calls Jesus the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And then, of course, there is Psalm 23, a well-known favorite which describes the the sheep-shepherd relationship so poetically and And so powerfully, John chapter 10, I think, is the New Testament parallel to this. With the exception, the notable exception, that Psalm 23, of course, is spoken from the sheep's perspective. Whereas John 10 contains the words of the shepherd himself. Sometimes called the Good Shepherd Discourse, chapter 10 is directly related to chapter 9. And it's important that we see this connection, and we will see it as the chapter unfolds. John 9, remember, is about how Jesus healed a man who was born blind. He healed him physically, then spiritually, in that the man literally came to see and savor his Savior. But remember, the chapter ends with with a bit of crisis and confrontation with Jesus confronting the, the religious leaders in their guilt. They had rejected the Lord and His miracles, and regarding the blind man, they had actually cast out the sheep rather than care for the sheep. And Jesus is calling them on it. He begins chapter 10 with a parable of sorts in verses 1 through 6. One that contrasts his loving relationship with the sheep to their lack of love. Their lack of relationship. And then in verses 7 through 18, he explains the parable really by providing two uh, distinct metaphors. He calls himself the door of the sheep, verse 7, and then the good shepherd, verse 11. Putting these two metaphors together, we learn that Jesus is not only the way to peace with God, but also the one who leads the way. And today we'll want to consider just the opening parable and then its further explanation in the coming weeks. Verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The sheepfold mentioned here was a common fold. 
not out in the countryside, but usually found in town or in a village, and it was shared by many shepherds. Shepherds would bring their flocks from the country to this community-type fold and leave the sheep with the gatekeeper and with sheep from other flocks while they, the shepherds, tended to their affairs in town or even slept overnight. The fold was typically bordered by a high stone wall which served to keep the sheep in and predators out. This is the type of fold that Jesus is referring to here in these opening verses. And then he speaks of those who enter the fold. There are those who enter the fold wrongly. They climb in. They, they climb in over the wall from the outside without permission or authority. They do not know the sheep or care for the sheep. They are thieves and robbers who, who seek to steal and strike the sheep. Thieves, they steal with deception. Robbers, they steal with violence. And, and Jesus will point out in verse 10 that, that these, these thieves come to steal and kill and destroy. They are enemies toward God who rob people of fellowship with God. And so this sheepfold, I think, in a general sense, in a general sense, can refer to the world. Not the church, because there are sheep from many flocks in this fold, remember. Not heaven, because thieves and robbers cannot break into heaven. I think this sheepfold pictures a world of people, generally speaking, and the thief and the robber is a picture of anything which tries to keep people from God. But more specifically... And when viewed in the immediate context of chapter 9, I think it speaks of false religion and false shepherds who don't have people's best interests in mind but their own. They're like the Pharisees of chapter 9 who cared more about themselves and their religion than the man who had been healed by Jesus. But Jesus is the true shepherd who enters the fold by the door. He has authorized access to the sheep. And he comes to them personally. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The idea here is automatic recognition and admission into the fold, where the shepherd walks among mixed flocks, calls his own sheep, and leads them out to pasture. It says that he calls his own sheep by name. His own sheep. Notice. There are some within this fold that do not know him. That do not enjoy relationship with him. But he calls those who do. He calls them by name. He calls them to himself. And he leads them out from the general population into something much closer, much more personal. To be called by name is very personal. It's very relational. So when I take my kids to the park or to a public playground, the thing that binds and connects us and distinguishes us from other kids and parents who are present there is the relationship we share. 
I know them and they know me. And when it's time to leave, I call them by name. The other kids, they pay me no attention because I'm not calling them. I'm calling my own. I'm calling them to myself. And I'm leading them out. It's a very personal interaction. And this illustrates the relationship we share or or, or can share with Jesus Christ, the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. Jesus knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows the good and the bad and everything in between. He knows what excites you and what worries you, what thrills you and what brings you angst. He knows, he knows your every circumstance this morning and your every thought about it. And he loves you. And he loves you. Westcott writes, nothing is hidden. Nothing in his flock is hidden from him. Their weaknesses, their failures, their temptations, their sins, the good which they have neglected when it was within reach and the evil which they have pursued when it lay afar. He says, all is open before the shepherd's eyes. He knows them, and he loves them still. The Bible says that God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this should reassure us of his love. For since Christ died died for us while we were Sinners, because he knew us and loved us even then, even before we knew him or have a, had a thought of him, then, then we need not fear that there will be, right? We need not fear that there will be some fresh revelation of sin that would cause him to turn away or weaken his love for us. We see, we see that he cares for his sheep. And he lovingly calls them to himself. We have examples of this in the Gospels. He called Peter and James and John, follow me, he said, and they followed. He called Matthew and Philip and Nathaniel. None of these were expecting to be called. Probably just as none of you were. Think back to your experience. Really, think back to your experience. You were going about life. You were on your own. You were estranged from God and lost in sin, whether you knew it or not. But the call of Christ came upon you and compelled you to His embrace. In theology, we call this effectual calling. Meaning that God, through the Holy Spirit, convinced you of your sin and need before God, caused you to see God's provision in Christ, and enabled you to embrace Christ as Lord and as the shepherd of your soul. He knew you, 
and he knows you today and he knows what he's making of you. The Bible says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is God's glorious purpose in calling you to himself. He calls you to save you from sin and death and to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Is there anything of greater value than this? To be called by name, Gary, John, Kevin, Monica, Richard, Gray, Elva, to be called by name in the relationship with God and conformed by grace to the image of His Son? Is it not an unbelievably glorious thing to be known personally and called affectionately by the God of the entire universe? He looks upon you and he loves you. He comes to you and he calls you. Have you heard his call? Do you hear it today? This morning, the great shepherd still walks among mixed flocks calling his sheep to himself, maybe, just maybe you're hearing his voice for the first time today. Respond. Respond. Respond and follow his lead. When he has brought out all his own, verse 4, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus won't leave his own behind. Not a single one. He, he personally calls each sheep and brings them all to himself. Then he goes out before them. He doesn't drive the flock from behind notice. He isn't hidden from their view. He's out in front leading the way. He leads his flock to God's green pastures into relationship with God himself. He leads his sheep from anything that will keep them from finding pasture. Jesus led the blind man of chapter 9 out from darkness and from the dead religion of the Pharisees, and, and he still leads us from darkness and deadness even today. He leads us from lesser things that promise satisfaction but never truly deliver. He leads us from materialism and addiction and the worship of our many idols. He leads us out from these worldly sheepfolds, if you will, whatever form they may take. He leads us into fellowship with God. David put it like this, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's a picture of peace and provision and protection. Our Lord leads and loves us for our great good and for his great glory. When Christ our shepherd comes to us, it is always, always, always for our benefit. Unlike rustlers or predators who climb over the wall and attempt to raid or rob us, He always comes to us to lead us to places of God's blessing. Always. He always comes to you to lead you to places of God's blessing. Dear people, I want you to know, I want you to know this morning the shepherding care of Jesus Christ. The true shepherd knows His sheep. He comes to His sheep. And he calls his sheep by name. He brings out his sheep and he leads them. And the sheep follow him, it says, for they know his voice. The sheep hear and know their shepherd. They know his voice. They can distinguish his voice from other voices. This week I read the story of a man from Scotland who visited Jerusalem and saw a shepherd coming with his sheep. And he approached the shepherd and, and asked the shepherd if, if he'd be willing to try something, to, to, to try an experiment. He said, would you change clothes with me and would you let me call the sheep? And so the shepherd agreed and they changed clothes and the Scottish man, now posing as the shepherd, in the shepherd's clothing, began to call the sheep. But the sheep didn't respond because they didn't recognize his voice. However, when the true shepherd, even though he was wearing unfamiliar clothes, when, when he began calling the sheep, they immediately came to him. The sheep hear and know their shepherd. They've learned to trust His voice, to rely on it, to expect it, and even to enjoy it. For the voice of the shepherd, what does that mean? What is that picture? What is the picture of the voice of the shepherd? The voice of the shepherd, the voice and the shepherd are as one. Right? His voice denotes His presence. His voice means He is here his voice says he is present to protect from danger and to provide for every need. And that Christ is present with us. That Jesus Christ is present with us should calm our every concern. The worries and cares of this world diminish in their effect as we remember that the Good Shepherd presently shepherds us. To hear His voice is to be assured of His care. It is evidence of His love. It is proof of His faithfulness. It is awareness of His intimate knowledge of us. O oh Lord, You have searched me, the psalmist wrote, and You know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. 
You search out my path and my lying down, and you, O God, are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, he says. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Those are the words of a man who knew his shepherd and knew his shepherd knew him and that his shepherd was present with him. And the Lord is present with each of his sheep. He's present with you and he presently shepherds you even this morning. Do you follow the shepherd's lead? Following Christ implies loving obedience to Christ. You see, it's not like following someone on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram where we can just check in on occasion and either like or ignore someone's post. It's not like following a news story where you can learn just the facts or someone's take on the facts but remain unmoved by them. It's not like following your favorite football team where you can rant and rave and play Monday morning quarterback without actually participating on the field. To follow Christ is to obey His commands. When he says move left, you move left. When he says drink from this stream or avoid that cliff, you listen. When he says go, you go. When it's wait, you wait. He's looking out for you. You're to trust in his care. His part is to show the way. Your part is to walk in it. Following Christ therefore implies love for Christ and now we really get to the heart of the matter there must be a desire for Jesus because deep down no one ever really follows Jesus unless they want to they may go to church they may sing the songs they may pray. They may have Bibles with their names imprinted on the nice leather cover. They may know some of what the Bible teaches and even be able to quote parts of it from memory. But this basic fundamental fact remains. Only those who sincerely want to follow Jesus ever do. Everyone else become strays do you follow the shepherd's lead a stranger they will not follow verse 5 those who follow Christ will flee from strangers because they do not know the voice of strangers and so the more acquainted we become with Jesus, our shepherd, the less we desire all imposters. 
I think this is one of those easier said than done propositions. Because the truth is, we are bombarded by the voice of strangers every day. Everywhere we turn, someone has something to say, always making their case as to why we should follow them. Sheep aren't disciplined animals by nature. They're easily distracted and led astray, but those who walk with Christ, who trust and obey Him, who know and love Him, they they can discern a strange voice and flee. That's an important word. It's not just that they ignore the stranger, notice, but they flee the stranger. Seeing the danger, they don't play around. They don't dabble in the occasional departure from their true shepherd. Sheep are not fierce animals, are they? They're easy prey if out from under his protection. And so we get ourselves into trouble when we listen to voices that contradict his. The simple fact is that it's impossible, impossible to follow Jesus while also following the voice of another. Do you follow the shepherd's lead? Will you listen? Will you listen for that familiar, friendly voice? The familiar, friendly voice of Jesus Christ and flee the voice of anyone who tries to distract you from Him. And then finally, verse 6 concludes by saying, This figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. It's talking specifically about the Pharisees of chapter 9 who refused Christ instead of receiving him. And I pray we wouldn't be like them this morning. Blind to the light of Jesus and deaf to his voice. So will you entrust yourself? Do you, even today, do you entrust yourself to the shepherd's care? Do you? Do you entrust yourself to the shepherd's care? And will you enjoy communion with him? In fact, this morning we have a great opportunity to enjoy communion. As we gather around the Lord's table this morning, being the first Sunday of the month, we remember that we do so because because he came to us and called us. Because he sought us, even in our sin, and ultimately died for sin to bring us to God. The Bible says, speaking of Christ's love and sacrifice on the cross, it says he committed no sin. 
Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to God who judges justly. He himself, Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's not that we found our way to the shepherd. No, what we celebrate this morning around the Lord's table is that the shepherd found us. And he freely gave his life for us to reconcile us to God. All who exercise faith in Jesus Christ according to his call are saved without qualification or condition. And so the Lord's table is for the sheep who have answered this call, who know their shepherd and who follow him. And if that is you this morning, then the shepherd himself invites you to come. It's his table and he invites you to come. The elders will serve first the bread and then the cup. And when everyone has been served, I'll pray. And then we'll share as one. And I just pray that, 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 that God would richly, richly bless you. Even now in these moments as you rejoice again in your great shepherd. Amen. Elders will come forward.